3: Timberwolves idle tonight. A new look Timberwolves will continue
2: the trip at Memphis tomorrow night. Our coverage begins at 6.30, tip 7 o'clock. I'll be in for Henry before and after the game here on News Talk, 830 WCCO. It is the Lake Show. Henry Lake taking a breather tonight. The Wild in action at home tonight against the Vegas Golden Knights. And, of course, a big buzz around the Timberwolves. Mike Conley and Nikhil Alexander-Walker come over from the Utah Jazz. Ultimately, D'Angelo Russell ends up with the L.A. Lakers in a three-team deal. So that is one of the big headlines. NASCAR gearing up for big run at Daytona leading up to the Daytona 500, the great American race. They were at the L.A. Coliseum for the Clash for the second year in a row and joining us to talk all things NASCAR, Reed Spencer joins us from NASCAR Wire Service on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline. Reed, it's been a while. I hope
5: you're doing well. Absolutely. How about you, Steve?
2: Yeah, good. Uh, big show at the LA Coliseum, second year in a row. And uh, Reed, uh, generally, how did it go out in LA?
5: It was great. I you know, the the atmosphere out there is second to none and of course they combine it with a lot of entertainment. You know, they had a halftime show uh when they had to the break in the race. They had um you know, you know they had several you know, noteworthy rap acts, you know, hip hop and and you know, LA is just different and the NASCAR's philosophy is, you know, if you can't get the people in LA to come to the racetrack then you take the racetrack to the people and that's exactly what they did they they built a purpose built racetrack for the second straight year in the LA Coliseum with, with you know which has had some historic motorsport um activities in the past with, with uh with supercross and motorcycles coming through the peristyles and 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 all that stuff but you know to build a racetrack which is a seven figure proposition there in the uh yeah, it, 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 you know where the football field normally sits uh, is a pretty special deal, and it's a great way to kick off the NASCAR season.
2: Yeah, and it, it is an exhibition race. It's not. It's not a points race, and the drivers seem to have a lot of fun with it.
5: They do. Although I, I must say that since this is the second year of NASCAR's next-gen car, and they more more definitely understand the capabilities of the car this year there was a lot more driving over and through people than there was in the first one when they were trying to save the cars because there was a shortage of parts so um this the action in this particular uh uh clash was was a bit more unruly than it was in the first one uh in one section uh of the race they had six caution flags in 11 laps so that that kind of gives you an uh, a microcosm of how the race was.
2: And, and Reed, do you, do you get the sense that th- this is going to become an annual affair, or is it too early to tell if they're going to return to the Coliseum next year?
5: We don't know yet whether they'll okay. be back to the Coliseum next year, but I think what they have proven out is that they can take this to stadiums, um, you know, anywhere and do the same thing if they're willing to, you know, to fork over the. The two million bucks that it takes to build the track and and do all the infrastructure necessary to put on the race, um, but there are other stadiums, and and it wouldn't surprise me to see it go international at some point. Uh, as a matter of fact, my wife and I are heading over to London in June to watch the Cardinals and the and the Cubs play in London Stadium, and we're going to scout that out as a possible NASCAR venue too.
2: Yeah wouldn't surprise me a bit. And what we see now with the sport is that they are willing to experiment and try new things, and I think that was one of the criticisms is that they got into a rut, a lot of cookie-cutter mile-and-a-half tracks, and they they were in a schedule rut-wise. Well, they've blown that up. I mean, it is a completely new-look schedule, in the fact that they are going to the Coliseum or are willing to race on dirt, the Roval at Charlotte Motor Speedway, um, th- th- there have been big changes, and they do two shows at Pocono. I mean, th- there there have been a lot of changes in recent memory to that NASCAR schedule to kind of remake it and 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 create a new buzz.
5: And and of course, the big one coming up this year, the the, the absolute experimental new thing is the street race in Chicago, where they're actually going to be racing down Michigan Avenue um, and around Soldier Field, and. You know, basically taking taking over the streets of the Chicago for a weekend to hold the NASCAR race there. I, it, we're still wondering um, how that's going to turn out, but we're definitely going to be there because the buzz for that is going to be enormous.
2: Well, and uh, once upon a time, and that brings up a mile and a half not far away in Joliet, Chicagoland Speedway. So NASCAR has had a presence in northern Illinois. But to do something Grand Prix style, th- that is very unique.
5: Yeah, and, and I think I think the one of the reasons is I mean you've got Fontana um, out in California, but nothing in L.A. proper. Joliet, where the Chicago Land Speedway is, is a good hours drive from downtown Chicago. Sure. So it's hard to draw people from the city down to Joliet for a race, and so basically again. Instead of instead of ha- trying to draw to draw the people to the race, they're taking the race to the people.
2: Yeah, and, and that is something else, Reed. That that would translate to another city A- at some point. You could do that. Even in, in a great motorsports market, a lot of motorsports motor fans someday come up and and do a race in the Twin Cities. Something similar, downtown Minneapolis or downtown. I mean, the point being is that would translate to other spots.
5: Yeah, absolutely, and and you've got you know you've got a history of, of that sort of thing already in Detroit, in Toronto, sure. in uh, Long Beach, California where they where other series have done that over the years
2: um as we get ready to uh descend on daytona and uh all the festivities associated with the lead up to the daytona 500 uh there there seems to be Great optimism around the sport. You, you've got young stars, recognizable stars, led by Chase Elliott. We've talked about him before. Uh, very popular driver, kind of carrying the torch forward now that uh, some some very popular drivers have, have stepped away from the sports. We, we we talked about the likes of Jeff Gordon and Dale Earnhardt Jr. and Jimmy Johnson, et cetera, that had big, big followings. But uh, the, the, the sports seems to be in good hands from from a driver point of view, and, and having a lot of young drivers in the mix?
5: Uh, there's no question about it. And and you're seeing, as you say, the 40-somethings are leaving the sport. Uh, Kevin Harvick has announced his retirement after this season. It would not surprise me to see, um, to see Martin Tricks Jr. Uh, retire after this season. He had to do a lot of soul searching last year to decide to do one more year this year. And although he has not made an announcement and probably hasn't made up his mind yet, uh, I think it's at least 50-50 that he's going to hang it up after this year as well. But you've got the kids coming up. I mean, you've got rookies who won over the last few years. You've got Noah Gregson coming into the series full-time. You've got very popular A.J. Allmendinger coming back into the series, the Cup Series, full-time. And you've got the youngsters at Hen- Hendrick Motorsports and, you know, just a lot of fresh blood in the sport. Uh, new ownership, which is also invigorating NASCAR with the uh, track house racing uh, with Justin Marks and Pitbull and then 23XI with Diddy Hamlin and Michael Jordan as part of the ownership. Uh, so, you know, I, I think the sport looks healthy and vibrant and is setting itself up for a very solid future now you know over the next two years they've got to negotiate whatever um, whatever shape the television deal is going to take because that's going to be extremely important to the health of the sport because a lot of the people in the sport depend on the tv money for revenue
2: yeah and right now it's, it's a combo platter of fox early nbc late is there any sense in what that'll look like Reed, or is it way too early to tell
5: too early to tell, yep. you know. I, I i i'm i'm hearing you know some interest here and there, but I think I think probably the uh, the entities that currently present NASCAR, Fox and, and NBC, are probably going to be the players again. All right,
2: and uh, the Daytona Five Hundred, it's still on my bucket list. I, I've been been to Florida, and uh, I i keep telling myself one of these years i'm going to be there all week for all the festivities all the qualifying races uh the 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 trucks the all all the way up to the 500 i'm going to do it one of these years
5: and and basically you you know you it's more compressed than it used to be it used to be speed weeks with the clash down there and then qualifying the following sunday and and basically 10 days of camping now, um, it's progressed basically, you know, compressed into, uh, really a five day period. Now we are heading down tomorrow because we're going to take in some dirt racing at Volusia where they're the world of outlaws are debuting oh, sure. their season tonight for, um, for instance. And then my, uh, my band, the pit road pickers, um, we start, we have a five day world tour, um, <laughs> uh, down there at, at in Daytona, Daytona, starting on Saturday night. So, uh, so we're going to be playing throughout the week, and and have to get down there for that. Oh yeah. So
2: uh, what, what I'm going to do one of these years, I'll, I'll give you advanced warning. Look you up. I'm probably not going to camp. I'll, I'll get a hotel somewhere. Uh, my my camping days are in the rearview mirror. But uh, yeah, uh, I'll, I'll give you some. It's not going to be this year. But but. One of these years, I'm going to get down there for the for the entire deal, and I'll I'll, I'll look for some advice, Reed, on on what I what I should do, and may, maybe you can help me line up tickets.
5: Oh yeah, absolutely. We'll give you the cook's tour of the garage and introduce oh, you to the awesome. to the key players.
2: Yeah, it, it would be awesome. Love to get down to the 500. Well, Reed, enjoy it. Safe travels uh, to Daytona. Have a great week, and hopefully, we can do it again soon.
5: Absolutely. Good to talk to you, Steve.
2: All right. There he is, Reed Spencer from NASCAR Wire Service, headed down to the uh, 500, uh, coming up uh, a week from Sunday, the great American race. We're going to come back. Uh, before long, uh, the Twins will be back at Target Field in the 23 season. Uh, you'll be able to actually play golf at Target Field. I I kid you not. Uh, You'll be able to swing a club at Target Field. We'll tell you how to get involved coming up here on News Talk, 830 WC. Well, we're not quite ready to play golf outside yet, but the time will come. And at some point this summer, you're going to be able to swing a golf club at Target Field. I kid you not. Matt Hodson joins us from the Minnesota Twins Director of Business Communications. Matt,
6: I hope you're doing well. Well, I'm doing great, Steve. Yourself?
2: Yeah, good to visit with you. Pitchers and catchers coming up. Twins back at it down in Fort Myers. Countdown to the 23 season underway. But we're here to visit about something really cool coming to Target Field in June. Uh, People will literally be able to swing a golf club inside target field i i really look forward to this i hope i can do it
6: yeah it's gonna be a great time uh june 9th and 10th and uh we're turning target field into a golf course for a few days the twins will be on a road trip in toronto and uh we figured you know what let's uh let's have some fun while the team's on the road and uh uh, so people will be able to come and and play nine holes or, or tee off from nine locations around the ballpark and uh um, all around the upper deck, the club level, and the third level, and, and hit tee shots down on the greens uh, on the outfield grass below. It's uh, it's a pretty cool concept. Uh, you stand out there, say down the third baseline, that great view of the Minneapolis skyline, and uh, and, and take your best tee shot down to uh, where Byron Buxton is normally roaming the outfield grass.
2: Yeah, this is really awesome. It's uh, upper deck golf, and and. Where did this idea come from? Is, is this is this been done before?
6: Upper Deck Golf, yeah, they've been around. We actually, okay. uh, it's their second time that they've they've come out to Target Field. We did it once with them in the fall of 2019 uh, when they were just starting going. We were we were one of their first ones, I believe. And uh, they they sense of uh, have become even bigger and have, have gone to, to ballparks and uh, and football stadiums around the country. And and we're thrilled to have them back here in, in June and. It just really, it's a unique concept, really to set up nine tees throughout the ballpark and uh, we'll, we'll give you the golf balls and, and you get to hit them down to the, to the field below. It's just, it's, it's a really cool, fun way to, to do something different and uh, for golfers of, of all skill levels, I think we'll come out and have a great time.
2: Now, I understand people won't actually be able to book until early May, but is is there a way people can sign up now or get on the list, so to speak?
6: Yes. If you go to upperdeckgolfing.com slash target field, it's upperdeckgolfing.com slash target field. You can get on a, uh, on a mailing list and registration list and get the first crack at getting your tee time uh, in early May. And then when uh, when the event comes June 9th and 10th, we'll have tee times open from 7 a.m. in the morning to 9 p.m. at night, full day of golfing. And it'll be a lot of fun.
2: So you'll be able to actually swing the club under the lights, so to speak. Swing at, the club under the
6: lights, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then we'll have in uh, the truly on deck down the right field line. We'll turn that into a, a kind of a fun area with we'll some music going, a chipping contest, putting contest, and different things. Uh, just, again, for whether you're a golf fan, baseball fan, a little bit of both. Just want to spend some time uh, outdoors at Target Field. It'll be a great way to do it.
2: Now now, there is a note, and when I saw this and, and sent you an email and said, "Hey, Matt, would you be willing to come on Thursday night when I'm sitting in for Henry to talk about it?" and you said, "Sure, is I would assume this is going to sell out pretty quick
6: we we think it will, yeah uh we we were able to extend the tea times to get again that full what is it fourteen hours, seven to nine, right. uh, but we do think uh it'll sell out pretty quickly, so uh, go to that website again, upperdeckgolfing.com/slash/targetfield, and get on the get your name on the list so you can be sure to get tickets when they go on sale in early May. Uh, and we'll have more information closer to to when they actually go on sale, and you can book, book your tee time.
2: You know, and this goes all the way back to the Metrodome days when I was sitting at a Twins game in the Metrodome, and it's kind of like, you know, I, I wonder, you know, what, how far you know i could hit a golf ball and what club it would take me <laughs> to you know if you are a golfer you know exactly what you talk about whether it's a football stadium or a baseball stadium and someone actually put that idea into play so you'll be able to do that at target field um, coming up in june
6: yeah i'll tell you it's a lot of fun i did it uh in 2019 was when we had it in october of 2019 and uh, it, it's, it's a unique experience. It's fun. There's a couple of holes where you need to, uh, bring out the driver. A couple, uh, that, uh, the, the, the closer where the, where the green that you're shooting at is, it's a five iron shot, but it's a, uh, it's a lot of fun.
2: Yeah. It's, it sounds great. Once again, upper slash target field, June 9th and 10th. Uh, so you can kind of, uh, sign up for early access now and then actual tee times available uh, the way it sounds in early May. That, that's that's going to be great. Look forward to it.
6: Yeah, come on out. We'll have you out. We'll play around.
2: Yeah, I, I look forward to it. Well, Matt, uh, always good to visit with you. Thanks so much for the time tonight. Once again, pitchers and catchers coming up. Spring training games before you know it. Here on News Talk, a WCCO, and the 23 campaign. Every game, all season long, right here on CCO. Have a good night, Matt.
6: Thanks. You
2: too, Steve. Take care. All right. There he is, Matt Hudson from the Twins, uh, joining us on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline. It is 831. We're going to take a break. We'll get you up to date on the weather. And then uh, section tournaments getting started, girls hockey. David Levake will join us from the Star Tribune here on News Talk. e three O WCCO. It is early February, but... The winter state tournament season is almost upon us. Girls hockey up right now. Section play getting started. And to sort it all out, David Levesque, who covers high school sports for the Star Tribune. Uh, David, good to visit with you. It's been a while.
4: Yeah, Steve. Good to visit with you as well. Thanks for the opportunity.
2: Yeah, here we go. A lot of uh, hockey. And uh, we start with the girls. Uh, We get through the regular season in the boys. Section tournament time. This is really good stuff. Um, and, and I know you're familiar with this, and a lot of folks are. Uh, there's nothing quite like section finals, whatever the sport, because there's so much on the line. And for the girls and the boys, a chance to play at the XL Energy Center. Uh, and we're getting close to those section finals already.
4: Yeah, Ken Pauly, the longtime Benil St. Margaret's boys hockey coach, he's always called the section finals the best-kept secret in high school hockey. Because you're playing in smaller barns, you have much more partisan crowds right on top of you. And the reality is, when you get to the state tournament, you get eight teams per class. Only one of those teams is going to win the tournament. You know, the other seven won't. But if you're one of those 16 teams that qualifies for one of the two classes of the tournament, that's huge. That sets off giant. You know that's good for the local hockey community uh, in, in their various communities. It's it's just good for everything. So it, that that's that's a that's as big, if not in some ways bigger, accomplishment than than winning a state tournament.
2: The girls' game has been around for a long time. What we've seen. Is the quality of play continue to improve? A lot of outstanding players. But on the other side, we've seen consolidation where some schools haven't been able to field teams. We're, we're seeing more and more co op programs, even among some of the bigger schools here in the metro area.
4: Yeah, co ops have been around for a long time, yeah. and, and they're very, the hyphen schools or the hyphen programs, as we call them. Those are, that's how some outstate programs make ends meet. And so nothing new there. But when you've got Roseville and Matamidi coming together to to offer girls hockey, when you have the Metro South Phoenix, which is a conglomerate of, they've at least one player from six schools that goes from De La Salle in downtown Minneapolis over to St. Agnes and and then uh, take a turn south, and you got Burnsville as sort of the unofficial. Uh, home of it, and then it, it even goes further down to not only Fairbolt, the public high school, but Bethlehem Academy in Fairbolt. All of those schools are needed to provide a varsity and junior varsity for for the program, the, the Metro South Phoenix. So it's that one's a pretty that's a pretty extreme case of of finding a way to get it done and, and giving the interested hockey players in these various schools an opportunity to play.
2: Yeah, and another example would be in the Northwest Suburban. A lot of big high schools in the Northwest Suburban, one of the big school conferences. And there there are a number of co-ops in girls hockey And that one. Champlin Park, Coon Rapids have teamed up. The list the list goes on and on there. And it is, uh, on one hand, uh, about getting players to play, but it's also being able to compete For example, in the northwest suburban, with the likes of Maple Grove and Andover, year in and year out there.
4: Yeah, and the unintended consequence of forming these co-ops, particularly in the metro area, is the people, the the leaders of of, of hockey, are, are, are concerned that you're already having trouble in your youth programs as far as generating numbers and getting kids out for the sport. What's the motivation to work harder? to till that particular field uh it 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 goes away once you've got this uh you know this this solution in place via a co-op so that's something that you know that's a short-term fix but if you want to try to make long-term change you're still going to have to go out there and and get after it and and try to get people interested in coming out for the sport
2: Uh, i've had a chance to see uh, a lot of girls hockey this year Thanks to uh, some of my other gigs, calling games on local cable TV or streaming services. And this week alone, I've been very fortunate. Last Saturday night, saw Andover at Stillwater. And then I got to call a game at Aldrich Arena, Hill Murray, and Benilde St. Margaret's on Tuesday night. So I saw four very good teams couple of thoughts on those games, and, and David, I know you're out watching boys and girls hockey all the time. Number one, Stillwater, a tough draw. They had to play Addie Dina the night before and then host Andover at their place on a Saturday night. So they they were tired, and Andover really took it to them. But the defending 2A champs, they are the real deal again.
4: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Andover's yeah. tough, and, then, and they're really tough. You know, the forwards get a lot of Publicity and and, you know that's that's all fine and well, but their defensive core is so good, so good, and they're they're still pretty young, but they're already building quite a bit of experience, and and they're just tremendously talented. That's that's probably as big of a key to anything as far as Andover success is concerned.
2: Yeah, and you look at that front line of the Andover Huskies, and and by the way, Melissa Volk, uh, their head coach, er, earlier this season, won number two hundred, and I saw your piece on that and one of three women to win at least 200 games in her ch- coaching career. So that that's a great milestone. But the, that that first line, and, and you brought it up, of Berger, Brown, and Gettle, two are going to St. Thomas, one to the U. Gettle's the one going to the U. The other two are... Heading over to Saint Thomas. That's pretty extraordinary. But they haven't played a ton of games together this year. I think it the the number I saw against Stillwater is like they played fourteen games together this year. So now that they're reunited, wow, look out. They they were ranked number three in the latest poll, but and they look pretty good to me.
4: Yeah, and that's, you know, you get people back, for, you know, healthy, because I know that was the issue with uh, uh, Berger and, and, and Brown. They've missed some games due to injury. Now, like I said, now they got the band back to the other, and whoever played Andover without that line intact is going to see a much different Andover team this time around, and one that should feel pretty confident that they're putting their best foot forward. And, you know, talking to uh, uh, Sammy Cowger, formerly Reaver, the Edina head coach yep. for, for the girls' program, she talked about that with her team. She said, I, I feel like, you know, we have improved down the stretch and we're going to be, we feel like we're, we had our, we have our best product now that we can put out there and, and challenge people with. So as, as you get to the end of the year and you start to figure out what you've got and how to make it the most effective in terms of pairing kids up and, and uh, getting them going and getting them healthy. Uh, that, that, so this, this uh, playoff because of that, the playoffs become a whole new animal and, and you see some really passionate, very fast, and skilled hockey.
2: Yeah, and Edina bring up a goaltender, uh, record-setting goaltender at Edina, and, and that's a pretty good place to start in
4: that. Uma yeah. <laughs> we, we I, I told her this, so I'm not saying something I didn't tell her. Right? So we have a running joke in our, our office at the Star Tribune, or, or when we talk among uh, hockey writers, uh, myself, Heather Rule, the, you know the people that spend a lot of time covering the tournament, Every time we bring up her name, and the the comeback will be, well, that's because she's been playing high school hockey for ten years, <laughs> and then and then the next time it's like, well, you know, she's been playing high school hockey fifteen years, and so it just <laughs> kind of goes from there. <laughs> and I told Uma that. Now she was she was she was like she's got an easy smile, and she was laughing pretty good. So she, I think she appreciated the. The, the you know the t- first of all that we you know that we notice and and that we you know think enough of her to, to you know to, you wouldn't kid anybody I think Don Rickles said I I never kidded anybody I didn't like
2: yeah and you know the numbers she's put up in her career are, are tremendous And Edina and and over a couple of teams we've talked about Hill Murray's had a, a fantastic year I saw him against Benilde St Margaret's rivalry game at Aldrich on Tuesday night but Benilde really took it to him and. Benilde played great that night, and th- they're playing extremely well. And even though they're a little further down in the Let's Play Hockey rankings, they they could uh, give Edina a battle in that section. That'll that'll be really interesting because I was impressed by Benilde Tuesday night over at Aldrich.
4: Yeah, yeah, he should be. I believe they were a section final team a year ago, so they they've got they 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 know what to they know what to do. They've got kids with experience and certainly a lot of talent and. And you're right on that side of the uh, bracket. If the seeds hold, number two Edina, who has a bye into the semifinals, will see number three Benilde St. Margaret, and that's going to be one heck of a, a game on that side. And on the other side, Blake is the one seed. Uh, could possibly get of the four. Uh, that that's, that'll be a battle. So it, it's all none of these sections are, or very few of these sections, I should say, are, are what you'd call easy. Uh, and section six is not one of them. The, the, section two is not one of them. Section four. These are these are at least two and sometimes three teams deep with, with real talented teams, and unfortunately it's a lot of good teams and, and players that are, are going to be st- stuck watching uh, the state tournament, but every sport can make that, that claim and, and sing that sad song about the you – know, but that's part of what makes the sections great you know, because you do see teams that, that have to – really good teams that have to, to really knock heads and, and try to figure out a way to, to get to the, to the tournament.
2: Yeah, and a team we haven't brought up yet, and uh, we we should bring up, is, is Minnetonka. They've been number one for a chunk of the year, and talk about a lot of high-end talent and uh, kids who are going to play at the next level and play in D1. Minnetonka,
4: I never, I haven't heard of them, actually. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, boys or yeah. girls. Yeah, Yeah. right, yeah, right. So high, t- high times in, in Minnetonka hockey, boys and girls. Yeah, the girls they're they're low, they were loaded last year, and so nothing's changed in that regard. And they're all a year older, and, and you know bigger, faster, stronger, and and you know a little hungrier. You know they they did not finish the job last year, and I know that you've got a lot of talent, but you've also got a lot of competitors on that team. Ava Lindsay, uh, you know as as much as anybody, she centers the top line, and one of her wingers all year has been Grace Sedura. She's another really competitive kid. Yeah. So you know they they don't want to be look on the outside looking in this year they want to finish this off and, and make sure that that they you know can say hey we, we we took it all the way and we got it done and we didn't we didn't blow this great opportunity that we have given all this talent we have so it'll be it'll be interesting to see they've done a nice job all year there's been enough pucks and everyone has you know made the contributions they needed to make to get to this point and we'll see uh you know what you know first of all they got a you know section final they went to overtime last year in section 2 with uh, holy family and Holy Family's got uh, uh, Sedona Blair in goal, and that's one of the best goalies around. And I said way back at the beginning of the year, you know, she's good enough to, to steal that game. So, you know, you can't pencil them in for can't pencil Minnetonka and over anybody in for the for the Excel because they got some good section battles to go through first.
2: Yeah, no doubt. Well, David, you and the crew at the Star Tribune do an outstanding job covering the sport and. I I sure enjoy being out there calling a game every now and then, that's for sure. And uh, hopefully we can visit again down the road.
4: I look forward to it, Steve. Thank you.
2: All right, there he is, David LeBake from the Star Tribune, joining us on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline. Uh, The fun begins for the girls, section finals coming up rapidly. Those are next week, and then the state tournament the following week at the AgCell Energy Center in downtown St. Paul. A whole lot more coming up. Here on News Talk, E3O-WCCO. Timberwolves idol, to get back at it against Memphis with a new look. Mike Conley, Nikhil Alexander-Walker come over from the Utah Jazz. Bottom line, D'Angelo Russell is now in L.A. Lakers. I said at the top of the show, and I will say it again, I like this move. We had Kevin Lynch in uh, from Valley Sports North, Timberwolves analyst. Uh, Kev likes it. This is a good fit for the team as it's structured now. They already made the Rudy Gobert trade, as we said at the top. They they made that deal. They gave up the draft picks. They gave up those players. That's a done deal. And as far as I'm concerned, by the end of that Memphis series, I had already moved on from D'Angelo Russell. I thought for sure he was going to be traded then. Well, he's traded now. And they bring in Mike Conley, a veteran. Sure, he's 35 years old. How much tread does he have on the tire? We'll find out. But I think in the short term, hearing the push to get this team back to the playoffs, and as far as I'm concerned, after the Gobert trade, in spite of the Carl Anthony Towns injury, you still got to get this team to the playoffs. For the fans, you've got to get the team into the play-in tournament bare minimum. And I think Conley is going to help them get there. When does Cat return? That's a big part of the equation. Josh Wheeler is our producer. Josh, you know, back back to this trade. I like the Conley move. I think it's going to help him short term.
6: Yeah, I think it's a good adjustment, at least for now. I think a lot of these trades that happened in the last 24 hours are definitely, I mean, about you could say probably 50-50 of them are uh, for now and short term deals. Uh, obviously talking about the Kyrie Irving situation. that He's not staying in Dallas. He, everybody knows he wants to be in L.A., so we know where that's going. But uh, I do like Connolly being here. I would like that to be a long-term decision, but we'll kind of have to see where that, how that pans out in the final stretch here for the playoffs. But uh, we're kind of right on the, on, the, on the brink as far as being in, in or out, so we'll have to kind of see what difference this makes.
2: I, 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 think, I think it's going to help this team. I think it's going to help the key pieces. It's going to help Ant. It's going to help Rudy Gobert. And when Cat returns to the lineup, it's going to help him a great uh, deal. I I think Conley's going to help them sort all of the issues out they had early in the year when they couldn't figure out what to do with Gobert and and Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards and D'Angelo Russell. That will settle that so I am optimistic going into this deal. I'm not optimistic right now. The Wild struggling out of the gate. Uh, out of the all-star break, got beat by Arizona 3-2 to uh, down in Tempe. Then they got dumped by the Stars 4-1. to They come home. They're getting blown out by the Vegas Golden Knights 5-1 after two periods of play. That's ugly. Uh, the, the Wild in a big spot. Right now, they're the number two wild card in the NHL's Western Conference. But uh, you can't go too many without getting points in the NHL. Hey, a big thanks to all our guests joining us on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline. A big thanks to Josh Wheeler, our producer. I'm Steve Thompson, in for Henry Lake. I'll be in before and after the Timberwolves game tomorrow night against the Grizz here on CCO. CCO.
3: How powerful is Cox Internet?